Hello, Podwalkers, and welcome back to the Goblin Lore Podcast. This is Hobbs Q um, starting us off today because I wanted to make a couple of quick announcements. Uh, this is our first episode since we have actually officially partnered with Zencaster. So Alex and I have talked kind of a lot on this show about, you know, uh, neither of us are editors. So, right, Alex? I would say that that's a pretty oh, fair that assessment. Is, that is a very <laughs> fair assessment. That, you know, neither of us are, yeah. So we, we, we when, when I took over uh, doing kind of the editing after Joe left the podcast, one of the things that was really difficult was finding, you know, a way to record. And we've, we went through a couple of different things before finally landing on Zencaster, which we love because... Not only does it record the dialogue that we each are doing right now on our own end, so we get separate audio files, which is important to for like what I that's one of the first things I learned. It also auto levels us. So even if our microphones are recording at different levels or there's other things going on, we still are able to, you know, it, it automatically painlessly does like this post process for us to begin with. Now, this takes using kind of their their pro model, which is I think it's it's normally like $20 a month. Um, it's one of the things that we've been willing to spend on because that has saved me so much time. Like I can't even calculate how many hours I have saved just by moving to this. And so we, we recently have partnered with them. And if you go to zen, Z-E-N dot A-I forward slash goblin lore pod, you can actually get, uh, I think it's 30% off if you sign up for at least three months of the pro. The pro is nice because it lets you basically, uh, you get so much post-processing. You can have up to, I think it's like 10 guests at a time or more on, which is just fantastic because, you know, we, we've, we've had up to four or five guests on at the same time, which is just something that is just, you know, it doesn't really kind of keep us to, to, to be limited if we need, if we want to open it up or if we want to do a panel type thing. They also do video, which we don't do, but you could do video up to 1080p with up to four guests. So we just, this is our first episode with doing it with them. Uh, so we wanted to give a little bit more background, but we're going to be talking more about Zencaster because we've been so just impressed with their product. So it's zen.ai forward slash goblin lore pod. Uh, and we always want to give our shout out to the Grinding Coffee Company. So uh, as you guys know, Mental Health Awareness Month is coming up in May. And I reached out to them. And once again, they're providing us with coffee. Like they were just like, yeah, let us know what you want. We got coffee. We'll give it to you. So we just really are thankful to kind of have the support of both of those companies. But, you know, it's really been this this new one. It's kind of something that was exciting to talk about. Yep. So we've we've missed a little bit, Alex, because we've. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've been ill. You've been kind of really busy there's just been kind of a, a lot going on which kind of led us to the topic that we're going to be discussing today yeah as as um i'll just say as is sometimes common for me when we're trying to come up with topics one of one of the common places i go is things i need to tell myself and so i get hobbs and myself on to tell all of you tell all of y'all about it and it helps me to keep these things in mind and so Today, we're going to talk about coping ahead. Yeah, and so this is actually a cool one because it's a, a skill that we've talked about on the show before, just in passing. Uh, Chase, yeah. in particular, brought it up. They yeah. had mentioned that it was a skill that they had really benefited from uh, when they were learning how to teach DBT skills because that's where it comes from initially. So we're going to get yeah. into kind of what all that means. Uh, but before that, we should probably introduce ourselves in case people Seems are like new a, to the show. Seems like a good idea. 
and think about what is something that we need to maybe be coping ahead for to kind of be getting that in our mind as we're going through this episode. So as I said, I am Hobbs Q. My pronouns are he, him. Uh, and this is my final week of paternity leave uh, before I have to return to the office full time. And basically, uh, they're also one of the announcements that I got while I was out on leave is we also have to come back into the office three days a week. Uh, so during the surge with uh, Omicron in particular, they had backed off again. And I was only going in one day a week, really, to the VA, maybe two. But not that often. So now I'm returning to work and returning back to ramped up to three days a week. So this is something I need to cope ahead with or for. With, yeah. for, both. Yeah, both, I don't probably. know. Probably. I don't know. Grammar. Grammar. Uh, yeah, what so is I'm, it? Well, I am not grammar. I am Alex Newman. I'm found on uh, Twitter occasionally. Not right now. Well, I'm not active, but I, I still have an account. Uh, at mail underscore chronicler. Um, that's M-E-L, like the magic term for people who like mechanics and things. I realize every time I say Mel, and I, I don't know, maybe there isn't different ways to spell it. I, I'm tired. It's been a long <laughs> week, and it's only Monday evening. Anyway, um, something I need to cope ahead for is is actually something uh, that's happening tomorrow for me. It'll be after, it'll be in the past when, when you hear this episode, because podcasting sometimes is time traveling. Um, I, so this is a last minute cope ahead is yes, what I'm hearing. Okay. Well, okay. I was we'll, also, we'll talk coping, about this. <laughs> I was also coping ahead with this last week. So this, this okay. is a thing I have been coping ahead with. It just Fair. is, is relevant for me to talk about right now. Um, so that's kind of, it was just on my head. So that's where I came to this answer. So, t- um, every Tuesday, my uh, department at, at work, uh, about 30 or so people, um, we have our we have our weekly whiteboards. It's just normal corporate. We're going to talk about kind of the weekly things. Is there anything significant on a corporate level? Anything significant at a department level? Um, but as part of that, um, about two years ago during the lockdown, during the COVIDs, during the everybody working from home, except for a handful of us who are in the office. So we're all in very different places, physically, literally physically in different places. Um, they started doing some just kind of get to know you things. I mean, some of it is is the same sort of icebreakers you might do and meet and greets and things. And some of it were fun questions like it's summer now. What are your summer plans? Or, you know, it's winter. What are your least favorite things about the winter? Cause it's Minnesota and we all have least favorite things. So things like that. And they would go through and draw names for people. And you, you know, three, four, five people would answer that question a week. Well, kind of what we're getting back to now, this was how we started it. Now we're getting back to a little more organized thing where it's probably two people per, per session, two, two, per meeting, just go over about five things about yourself. And so I haven't done this before and kind of covered a couple of things on a high level, talked about my hobbies and my family a bit, which was, which was fine. But what I decided to do for, well, tomorrow now, I'm going to cover some of that, maybe in a little more detail, talk about uh, my family a little bit more, but I want to talk about the podcast and I had mentioned it in passing before, but I'm going to really, I'm gonna, I want to use the podcast, the topic of the podcast to also talk very briefly to my whole department about the importance of mental health and a little bit about my experience with mental health and talk about my, my experience with my social anxiety and just to kind of hit on some of that stuff, at least on a very high level, because I think it's very, as we talk about in this podcast a lot, um, it's very important to talk, have these conversations. That's what we're doing tonight, talk about coping ahead. But just in general, it's important to talk about mental health because there's a lot of stigma and that creates that makes it more difficult for people to talk about things, which means people don't, which means there's stigma and 
it it just it's a vicious cycle and the only way to break it is to just not participate in the cycle and so I try to be open at work about my, you know, my, my social anxiety and my struggles with that sometimes. But there's not always a forum to like, I don't want to just send out a blast email to everybody and say, hey, by the way. that that's <laughs> By the way, I'm, I'm actually pretty anxious and depressed today. Just thought yeah. I'd be open about it. Yeah. I mean, and I, I will to my team or to my supervisor. I'll, I've, ta- I've said some days I need a mental health day or, you know, things going on. I'll say, hey, today I can probably, you know, I can get my normal daily stuff done, but it's been a rough day. It's been a rough week. I'm not sure I can get much more. You know, and my team is very supportive and they all have their own things going on, too. And it makes it easy for them to, you know, support me when I need it and I can support them when they need it. I have a great team. and I I love I'm I'm very fortunate to have a team that's this supportive. But this is a good opportunity to just on a high level to say, here's why mental health is important. And here's this thing that I do in my free time that I am passionate about and that kind of gives me this platform to to make this conversation, uh, to put this conversation out there. So that's the thing I've been, which I'm, I'm excited about it, but also, you know, I literally am going to be, have, I have social anxiety as I've just said several times and that going in front of a crowd, even a crowd on the other side of my computer screen is a situation that can trigger social anxiety. Like it's tailor made to trigger this particular, uh, issue that I have. So, it helps that I know all these people, but that's, I've been doing a lot of coping ahead the last week or so preparing and getting stuff together. I talked to my actual, my teammate, who's the one who kind of organizes all of the questions and stuff. So she's aware that I'm going to be talking about this. And like, I, I talked to her Friday and I said, see, because there's going to be two of us covering. I'm like, you should probably put me second because I'm going to talk about this, you know, fairly heavy, significant topic as kind of the close to mine. And that probably would not would be unfair to have someone then have to follow that and be like, well, here's my cats. And it's like, Hey, that might be nice, but also that might be tough for someone to try to step into that. So it's like, it might be better to have me be the second person. So we can kind of, I can, you know, and I'll ask for questions. And if people have things to say, the conversation, we can have a bit of a conversation, but if not, then we'll kind of close the meeting there and not make people have to do sit in that space if they don't want to. So, yeah, I've been, I've been, Coping You've been ahead. coping ahead. You've been thinking a lot about this, and that's yes, one of the things that coping ahead involves with, and so that involves. So we're going to be talking about this. Well, we wanted to look for a little bit of magic lore, something that we could tie in, since we are a magic podcast at, still at some level. Um, yes. And so, so to I uh, set this up. You reached out to one of our friends. Yes, I phoned a friend, um, uh, Reinhard, who is a, a frequent contributor to the podcast. I guess I, I was actually I totally forgot. I was going to ask him. Cause I've had some things on my mind. I was going to ask him how he wanted me to, if he, if he liked, you know, what that terminology, like friend of the cast or, you know, whatever yes. frequent contributor, like yeah, yeah. how he'd like, cause he is, he's been on the show multiple times. He's a friend of mine from just in real life. I know him from, from going to conventions together and things. He's in Minneapolis in this, along with Hobbs and I, um, and he's just, great story person and he has written story for wizards now he has written magic stories so we've had him on to talk about that he's talked about lore just in general so he's he's kind of my go-to if i need to ask something about lore i'm like hey is there is there a story that fits this you know fairly particular weird little niche that we want to talk about on the show and he's always game to like try to figure something out so he uh for us for today for this he brought up joda's mirror 
Well, before we get to Joda's mirror, I mean, that, that does mean that we need to talk about who Joda is. Exactly. Uh, because this is going a little bit, I mean, if, if people have been playing since New Dominaria, they may have yes. an idea, but... He was, first, he, he was a character in the story going way back to the Ice Age. The Dark, dark. right? Those sets, yeah. Think, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where a lot of his story comes in. Um but most recently, like he was actually printed as a card, as you say, Hobson, a few years ago in, in Dominaria. Yeah, yeah, and he, he was there during the return, which tells us something. Um, he was also involved with the time spiral or with the planar chaos. That's true. Uh, so what's interesting about that is Joyra uh, uh, does come into Joda's story, but uh, Joda is somebody else who is not a planeswalker but is really, really old. Dominari has a collection of them at this point. Yeah, at this point. Well, right? I mean, in fairness, some of it, and this one is not Urza's fault, but some of that is Urza's fault. <laughs> like, this, this one is not actually Ur- yeah, Urza's Joda fault. Joda is not Urza's fault. We need no. to make that clear because so much is his fault. And sometimes, like, no, just in fairness, this one is not. This one is not. Uh, this is the fault of the Fountain of Youth. <laughs> yes, which is just at least from a card standpoint, just kind of a random card from the dark. It's this random little artifact, but it costs zero. It's, it's, a, that's how, I mean, I know of it well because it's a zero costing casting cost one. And I like to yeah. know about those. You just so. it, it gives you life. But so apparently, you know, Joda had some, uh, his aging's dramatically slowed by it. So the best part is, so it's just a little bit of background with Joda and kind of, cause the, 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 the fountain of youth, debacle i guess we can call it that <laughs> well maybe he, i don't know what his opinions are but it's what led to kind of some of what we need to talk about with his mirror uh he was forced to hide from a group of group of goblins by submerging himself mm. in in the fountain of youth now mm. uh, it was just seen as a long <laughs> abandoned fountain so but it's the it, the fountain of youth just like slows the aging to a crawl i mean it's, i think it's a similar kind of idea to the aging that we do see with joyra yeah um, the time had, water yeah i think she had a, has a similar in effect um different in that that one is urza's fault well that one is urza's fault yes yeah so <laughs> sorry we just again need to make sure when we point you out had to make sure which one fault. so yes. um so yeah so so Joda ends up with a mirror, and that's kind of what the, the we want to talk about this device, the, the this, yes. this 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 artifact. What yeah, the, what this artifact um, did for him was well, it, it's it's the sort of the whenever eternal youth or you know eternal life comes up in in stories that want to examine it. There've been a lot of stories that do this now, but there's a lot of they talk about you know one of the, the biggest downsides is well everyone you know doesn't stop aging. And so eventually everyone you know is going to die. And that's part of his story like this. So the grief and the despair caused him to descend into madness. And so he's having to bear the grief of being the last person that he knows, you know, for all the people that he knew age and die, age and die. Um, so he used this mirror to store his memories. Um, it says after wiping his memory clean, he restored it from the mirror, drained of its emotional attachment. And, and so that allowed him to be able to live so long without suffering that that's that grief and the despair that just build would build. Yeah, like this idea that, you know, yeah, like the high, I think of the Highlander movies and TV shows where kind of anything with it, some form of either immortality or very, very, very long life compared to 
it's not that like all of your race or your group of 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 your peer group has this long life so um and he he had kind of he, the mirror has other uses i mean he he got it as a gift uh from vasca uh, who's a random red mage i just kind of like the name um and he had actually used it to previously kind of um help uh the ragman come to his senses or sorry he if had been if had been led to prison by the ragman if had been driven insane and the mirror was able to make it come to a senses. So we know that it has these, these other potential properties. Like it has properties. We know it can store his memories in it. It was used in a, enough to bring it back to a senses. It is represented in a card. Um, so really cool art. You should go check it out. It's reflecting mirror yes. from the dark. Uh, by Very Mark cool. Poole. Mark it, it, it's, it's, it's funny because it kind of looks like a, a CD. A compact disc for anybody out there that doesn't actually know what that is, I guess. It would actually be about the size of one, too. I know. Like, I'm, if I sound further away, it's because I've leaned back to look at my own hand put up in the same... Sorry. Well, you know, <laughs> I, given my many, many years of consuming music on a compact disc, I, I saw it automatically, and that was the first thing my brain jumped to. Yeah, I, I didn't. I saw the skull instead. But that's... If you want to find out what skull, go find the art. It's. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I'm like given weird like go find that you know, for a 30 year old card or something yeah yeah that's what scry falls for so yeah, fall. great um yeah so so we know that basically the main purpose that that joda used it for is kind of storing memories to mm -hmm. like you said to be able to kind of retain sanity so and it's this weird thing. I, I, I mean, I, I want to talk about this one element only because it may kind of come up when we're talking about coping ahead, which is kind of after he wipes his memory clean and then restores it from the mirror, it's drained of its emotional attachment. Which is kind of like, that's kind of the idea b behind how it's retaining his sanity is it's almost like the memories are still there. So he's still getting them, but like the emotional attachment to them is kind of what he's kind of trying to separate himself from. Yeah, and in a sense, it, it allows him to disassociate from his memories a bit. Well, disconnect. I, I, disconnect or, 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 maybe yeah, and I don't want to use the word disassociate. Nope, that's fair. Be, because of... There's... Yeah, they, well... There's, there's things there, yeah. Yeah, well, especially when we're talking about uh, coping head in particular uh, being a skill from dialectical behavior therapy. So it's a, a behavioral therapy, um, just... It, that is associated with in particular, like the, the best evidence that it has is for borderline personality disorder. And the dissociation is something that you're is, can happen with that. So kind of the people kind of get that sense of not connected to their body or like uh -huh. that, like that, that feeling of like uh, not real or that feeling of separate. And it's kind of like you're, it's happening to somebody else. That's kind of like that idea, right? Uh -huh. Like you, and that's actually kind of what you're trying to avoid with coping uh -huh. ahead. Um, so, but you are also trying to usually dissociation comes from because of intense emotionality. Mm. So, okay. Like, that's why I'm just using, this is like one of those weird language things. Cause like yeah. I think using it when we're talking more about like a clinical sense here, it, yeah. it's not, I, it's, it's kind of like what we're trying to not have happen. Is no, that's right. That's, that's right. That's a specific like clinical thing. And so yeah. it's not, yeah, but the no, idea is that it's you're trying to not it, it, like it drains of it as emotional attachment. The idea is you're trying to move yourself away from emotion mind mm -hmm. to be able to deal with it. Um, yeah, so to, to build I, a process that 
Yeah, so this is that's that's a kind of a tangent already. Oh, I, I recently told someone that's a cornerstone of our podcast, and I stand by by that. <laughs> we do a very good job of coming back to some semblance at some point. Yes, and I, I hope we have been told that most people don't find it distracting. That's that's good. I I I really hope that's the case because at least for me, and I, I joke about it, but I feel that the tangents, it's maybe. If they're relevant and, and and important to cover things, usually at least for us, and and it helps us to kind of okay, here's an aside, and let us explain this little piece that thing, and then we get back to it. And and I, mean, I think usually, maybe I'm wrong here, but my my impression is that usually they're relevant to what we're talking about. So it's it's not completely tangential something it's not something entirely different it's we're we're trying to like almost sidebar or uh footnote the conversation that we're having and that i think makes it a better conversation at least that's what i hope i think so too if, if and that's so, not the case yep. know, but. so there's two more things that i just want to hit on for the actual mirror itself uh it was it was used in part by Freilis. Uh, she borrowed it. <laughs> uh, he owed her a debt, and the mirror borrowing it was part of the payment, and it was used for the world spell that helped end the Ice Age. Which also, and there's this is a whole other thing. This is a tangent. I won't go down too far. But <laughs> part of part of the thing that caused the Ice Age is a also Urza's fault. But B, <laughs> um, it, it created, and oh, I can't remember what it was called. Like the sh- it wasn't a shard, but it, it basically walled off a small part of the multiverse so dominaria and a relative handful of worlds were like stuck in one spot so planeswalkers couldn't leave or enter this no wasn't it called the shard it might have been called the shard maybe i think Um, it is yeah and then when the world spell not didn't just break the ice age which helped save that world but also part of why freilis was able to convince other planeswalkers to help is because it would break that shell as well allowing them all to do more traveling, more yep. planes walking. Yeah. And uh, so Joda believed that it might be like altered because of this. So he was not really using it. And th- then like, so right after that, uh, Jaya actually, it, the mirror is, um, <laughs> so, uh, so Jaya and, and uh, Jaya and Joda have a history. And when she kind of shows back up, she stabs him fatally. <laughs> he uses the mirror and uh, using the mirror to kind of like heal himself. So like, let's, it's got this kind of ability. Uh, um, he, it also is what triggers Jaya's uh, planeswalker spark. Yes. So. Yeah, he, he uses it because I believe... Uh, Freilis knew that somebody had the spark and she assumed it was Joda, but Joda was sure he didn't have it. And so he, he figured it must've been Jack because she was there. She was present at the, the world spell. And so he triggered Freilis's like trap in quotation marks that she put in the mirror. Cause she put something in the mirror that would trigger a spark. And so he triggered it to hit, you know, J- uh, Jaya, and that it, it triggered her spark, and that was a whole thing. So the mirror's yeah. the mirror's been around. The mirror's been around. <laughs> it, uh, that did destroy it. So because he yeah. shattered it. 
on her too. That's how he triggered it is he just smashed it into her. And there's some interesting things. Just think we know that he showed up kind of during Planet Chaos. We know that he was seen 60 years yep. after the mending. Yep, he's, he's now he's over 4,000. Yep. Um, he's been around. He's been around. And what's interesting about this is this whole idea that the mirror was supposed to be kind of his tool. Right. And yeah, and now he's he's been alive for uh, at least like uh, way around, longer than that. <laughs> around two, maybe not two thousand exactly, but because it says two thousand years into the ice age, uh, whatever. I'm not going to try to figure out the timeline now. But he's been alive for a long time without the mirror. So maybe the using the mirror for a while helped him kind of learn how to deal with this, so, and now he's doing it on his own. Wow, look at that. See, this is why we're co-hosts, because that's the direction <laughs> I was thinking. Right? Like, the tie-in to kind of what we're doing is we we know at least we don't have a lot of story with him um, yeah. post this, but but we did not get the impression that people just thought that he was, that his, like, sanity was tested and he was no longer, you know, oh, yeah. no, coherent well, I mean, or functioning. Even in, in Dominaria, like, he he was... You know, he's a powerful five color mage. mage. Yeah. He's hanging out at the at the school. He resides at Teleria West. He's helping people there. Like the the new uh, Dominaria crew goes and talks to him to get some help on whatever they were doing. That's that's a whole thing. It's too much to get into, but you know, the stuff they were working on. So yeah, he's just kicking around and doing stuff. Yeah. So you know. Yeah. So he, I, I liked it because it made me think about the idea that, you know, the mirror itself may have just been kind of a tool. Um, and part of it might've been this ability to kind of learn to start processing things without devolving into kind of um, intense emotional states. So I mentioned a little bit about that idea of um, kind of emotion mind and in, in DBT in particular, dialectical behavioral therapy, which is one that's basically this idea that that I I like it because it's it's hallmark is in what's called dialectics. So you know that like conflicting ideas that are both true. So the multiple truth kind of idea. So you know this this kind of with emotional states. Like I can be angry and I can be scared. I can be you know uh, for I think of the, the the classic example to me is death. Like if somebody dies, I can feel intense sadness or you know being mournful but maybe relief if, if this person had been suffering. And those things are not necessarily, you know, it, it's not that only one of them is true. There are multiple truths. It's the multiple perspectives. So dialectical behavioral therapy is meant to kind of work with kind of a, a mindful approach with also having kind of behavioral therapy. So it's kind of this, it's called like a third wave um, therapy, not like cognitive behavioral where it's just about, you know, the thoughts, the feelings, and the behaviors. This is already, this is also bringing in kind of that, the mindfulness component, bringing in some of the, uh, yeah, I, I just, I mean, that's the main thing that it is bringing in. So um, one of the hallmarks for that is this idea of looking at both emotion mind versus kind of like the logical mind. And the idea here is that you're really searching to be in wise mind. And wise mind is something that lets you balance kind of the, the two. And most of the work for DBT is because people spend much more of their time in emotion mind. And that is where they're kind of making their decisions and things are being driven by these emotional states. Um, a lot of what is taught is kind of uh, what's called like distress tolerance or emotion regulation. So a lot of the, the skills that 
people, the, the coping ahead is actually under the rubric of emotion regulation skills. So it was kind of cool when you brought to me coping ahead. And I want to kind of hear where you came to it because, uh-huh. cause you, we, like I said, we've talked about it on here. I, I know of it from kind of a different bend is more of a, yeah. uh, more of a like practitioner than a, a consumer for this. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, and, and, so and, let's talk about that as I, before sure. I go too deep down a technical rabbit hole. Sure. Well, and, and for me, like I first got heard this term from the podcast, from, from Chase okay, and cool. they've been on cool, and, cool, and from cool, you cool. as well. Um, so I don't know it from, you know, from the, the industry. I don't know. I don't say it the, wasn't the part of like your therapy. No, it wasn't part experience. of my therapy. I don't, okay. I don't know it sort of from that angle, but that concept of coping ahead and, um, has is since it you know I, I picked it up and I honestly couldn't tell you from when at some point in the last three and a half years because that's how long we've been recording and it feels absurd that it's been almost four um, but at some point I kind of picked up that that concept and I really liked that idea because I mean there's all sorts of things that we plan ahead for we that's a that's a skill people are are well versed with and sometimes you don't do, exercise it very well but you're you're at least understand the concept of, all right, I want to take this trip. I want to do this project. I want to work on this thing. I'm going to plan ahead. I'm going to build a plan and figure out what the steps are. And we've talked about plan, uh, planning as things in, in the podcast before. Some different Problem solving, planning skills, goal yeah. setting, all of that. Yeah. Yeah. All of that. But then I, I loved, at least for me, the concept that really, really gelled for me is this idea of trying to build tools for myself because I know I'm going to be in situations that will trigger my social anxiety, that will make it difficult for me to on the fly deal with the situation. Because one of the things that happens in a, a situation for, I'll just talk about myself, but for my social anxiety, when my, when my fight or flight instinct gets triggered, blood moves away from the brain that is something that is physically happening and it makes it difficult to sort of reason your way through these situations while your blood is running away from the brain and to the extremities because your body is preparing to literally fight for your life or run away or in some cases you'll freeze because I have a little bit of freeze response sometimes too but it's basically your body is preparing to fight because it thinks the situation is dangerous and so you're you're like losing some of your cognitive capabilities and so the idea of coping ahead is to create some tools to create some you know things for myself that I can kind of build as habits so that I don't need to have the full thought process to think through all the steps I can use something like that to help me navigate those situations. Yes. So I want to talk about that um, piece that you just mentioned. Like it, it is not the same thing as problem solving. It is not the same thing as simply just planning for a situation or to plan for something. It is really this idea that you are going to be using your specific kind of coping skills. So one of the things we've, we've talked a lot in here is like, you know, different coping skills that we've developed, right? And the idea is that you know that you're going to be going into a situation that is going to be likely to kind of provoke these strong internal events. So emotions, thoughts, whatever it's going to be. Um, and you know that you're going to be in this, a situation that's going to trigger potentially overwhelming emotions. Um 
as I said, this is used with DBT. So there's very specific DBT skills that you kind of learn. And some of those are things like thought challenging. Some of those are things like, okay, uh, doing the actual like problem solving. Some of it is how do I balance emotional urges? Or like I said, um, distress tolerance. So how do I tolerate feeling uncomfortable? Um, and the idea here for coping ahead is you take the time to kind of imagine and describe out what the situation is going to look like. So this isn't just like planning it out, like from a logical perspective. That's why I really like to think about this differently than the plan ahead. Plan ahead is usually based in like kind of the logic. It's kind of like these are, you know, it's kind of going straight through. Like it's, it's almost trying to like detach from the emotion or at least trying to kind of take the emotion out of it. But in out a way that's really like... Based. Yeah, in a way that's very logical. And and like you said, you know that you can maybe uh, talk about these from like an academic perspective of like, well, this can happen if I go into this situation. But that's not the like that 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 is not the same as feeling those emotions, which is what you need to to be aware of. So coping head is really kind of trying to basically talk through like your presentation tomorrow, for instance, right? Yeah, I have so for instance, and and I the part of the coping ahead that I was doing, I mean, beyond just talking to my coworker and, and getting some getting some actual prep things, pulling some pictures and asking her if she'll make the PowerPoint stuff because she she offered to do that. Um, but also, like I've written a script for myself because well, I can have a conversation about some of these things, and I know at least to start with in front of everybody trying to talk about this stuff. I'm not going to have any idea of how to start that conversation. My brain is not going to do that. So by having a script, I can say the things that I know I want to say. And then from there, usually that creates enough of a conversation. Even if it's just by myself, I can start to roll through it. And then I can start to flow from there. And, and as a similar example, you know, right now we're recording a podcast we didn't have any show notes for tonight. We had a few resources. We had a few articles and things, but we didn't have any specific show notes. But when I record by myself, I do the same thing. I write out a script. So because I know when I'm sitting here with no one else to talk to, no one else to bounce a conversation off of, I'll start to get self-conscious about what I'm saying, how quickly I'm talking, how slow I might be talking. And, and it starts to make it difficult for me to keep track of where I'm going. So I'll make bullet points. I'll make a script, sometimes follow it exactly. And sometimes I can get a, a paragraph or two in and then start to flow from there because now I'm sort of in, in the zone, in the flow that I'm used to from podcasting. But especially to start, I have sentence by sentence scripted out. And, and I would say, so that's kind of like, okay, so there, there's kind of three main steps to this. So we'll we'll post kind of some of this. This just comes straight from the dialectical behavior dot therapy dot com, um, to, which kind of does have some great resources if you want to learn kind of about the ideas behind this. Once again, this this there's worksheets and everything, but that's kind of it's all like if you're ever going to be learning these skills, it's probably something that you would want to be seeking a professional that you could actually do it alongside of. Um, but we're just kind of introducing this as a topic, like a, just an idea to be thinking about, which is you basically take yourself and you imagine and describe the situation. So that could be writing it down. Um, actually, that's one of the things that a lot of people will do. It's kind of write down how it normally goes for you or describing it sufficiently. I think for your example of being able to write down for a situation, a script, kind of having something in mind of what you want to say, um, 
because we you know that what that overwhelming emotion can feel like so ideally you would like write down okay these are the emotions that i would feel uh you know i'm feeling anxiety uh with that i'm getting kind of the sensations of heat i'm getting the you know heart race increasing you would write down kind of when it says describe it you want to describe out like what tends to be your responses to this because the reason you want to be able to do as much as you can is because step two is to think about what skills can you use now like i said versions of this kind of what you're describing would be using whatever your own personal coping skills are ahead of the fact so that's where chase has talked about this in the past they have talked about like knowing which skills so that you're preparing before you go into it to already be keeping yourself in a lower emotional state where they're able to maybe be able to uh, act in a way that is going to not be dysregulated or, or, or risk getting to the point of dissociation. That's uh-huh. kind of the goal with, with teaching this. Um, uh, I, I really like that. Then the idea is that you then take yourself through and you rehearse it. You practice through your head. Okay. Well, how does it fit? Okay. How am I going to use this skill? What will this skill look like if I need to use it in the situation? How am I keeping myself going into the situation feeling that I am able to kind of manage my emotional state. So, I mean, at its core, it's kind of a, I I like it in the sense of you're figuring out ahead of time what coping skills are going to be best. So an area that I kind of, that just came to my mind is thinking of things like, this is where we all know that we have coping skills, uh, hopefully, or if not, listen to some of our old episodes where we talk about kind of developing them. One of the things that we've talked about in the past is not having one coping skill, right? Yes. Why yeah. not? Why not, Alex? Just have one. Well, it's, it's go. There's so many, so many cliches I could go with like the, the whole thing. There's the, it's a joke, but it's kind of not good, but I think it's sometimes is said jokingly in a maybe a more positive manner. But the, you know, if every, if the only tool you have is a hammer, every problem is a nail and that becomes a problem because not all problems are nails. That that whole thing is saying that your perception is that every problem is a nail. And so you're going to be misapplying this tool in situations where that tool is possibly doing more damage than whatever the existing situation is. Or, and, or like might not be a possible tool yeah, or to may use. just not even be usable in this situation. Right. That's so fair. It might, it might be something that you can't use. And then what ends up happening is now that you can't use the one tool that you have developed, you revert back. Right. So you go back to the thing. So like smoking cessation is an example of this. So we yeah. have like a, a bunch of categories. Well, one of them is to avoid what you know is being your triggers. Right. So if there's certain people, places and things that you're around that trigger kind of urges to use, well, you avoid them. OK, great. So that's a skill to, to and, you know, we've talked about this in avoidance on the show before. This is kind of a different example. It's staying away because you're trying to not you know, smoke. Um, it's, it's not limiting your world necessarily, but it does mean you have to plan. Um, people talk about, you know, uh, quitting drinking and they can no longer take the same driving route home because they're going to pass the liquor store. Uh, so you, you can avoid those, but then what happens if you're put into a situation where, you know, you weren't planning to be around alcohol or cigarettes and they're there, 
right? So you did not anticipate that a situation was going to have a trigger. You cannot use avoidance. It's too yeah. late. Or or even there's a situation or, or to, to get to ones where you can use the tool, but maybe it causes other damage. S- say you have, you know, a friend or a family member's wedding and you know there's going to be alcohol there. If your only tool is avoidance, you don't go or you go and you risk drinking yeah, and falling right? back. Right. Yeah. Like your options then become you limit your world. That's kind of yep. how that avoidance piece becomes bad. Yep. So if you haven't developed other tools to use, mm-hmm. this is the same sort of idea that, you know, like and, and I, I, I always am that I, I totally use the kind of the cliched metaphor of the hammer and nail or just the hammer yeah. and hitting things because – I yeah. think the idea of a toolbox works for me. And yes. you can kind of think of it as spell slots, um, you know, an yeah. inventory, right? Like whatever it is, you don't just, you don't head out on an adventure if we're doing a TTRPG with like 50 feet of rope and that's it, right? Yeah. Like you, you, you unless it's something very specific, you don't set, set out with a party that's all one class or that's all, does all the same thing. You know, four healers isn't going to get you as far as trying to have a diverse party. Right. So, so th- this is kind of that same thing that I think of here, right? Like that's kind of the main idea. Um, and, and I think that that is where it is kind of thinking about, okay, well, which which skill am I going to need in this situation? Um, you know, if you probably had your, your well, I mean, like, that's the thing, right? Like uh, avoidance is a classic one. So uh-huh. you could, you could oh, yeah. use it. You could just call in <laughs> sick to work. Uh- I'm right? good at avoidance. Right. Uh, so like... to, to the point where it's too good. I That was a skill that I used for years while my, my social anxiety was undiagnosed. And now it it's habit in so many cases where I will find myself randomly avoiding things that I'm like, I don't, why am I even avoiding this? I just do it. And now it's done. But I just sort of habitually do it. So you had to start developing other ones. And, and then like, right, like maybe some of them are, you're not going to volunteer necessarily to like you're not going to be somebody that's just like okay my strategy is i'm just going to become the world's biggest extrovert yeah that's not what i'm doing though i'll say after uh actually getting diagnosed and have and going through some therapy and things i found that i'm a lot more outgoing than i realized like i actually enjoy that as a thing now that i'm not like feeling compulsively afraid of it because i've kind of gone through some things and so that's a tool that I have is I can go and kind of talk to people in some situations. But like you said, I'm not driving as that is the only thing is now I'm going to just reverse it and do just that. It's kind of funny that you're mentioning this because uh, one of the, one of the, um, one of the key strategies from DBT and one that they mentioned on this page with coping ahead, because it mm-hmm. talks about which skill do you want to apply? So um, what, one of the skills is uh, called opposite action. And it's basically whatever you're whatever you're finding yourself wanting to do in these type of situations so if you know that it's like you're you're thinking through the situation and your brain is telling you to do something that's making you feel like this is what i should do Um, Mm -hmm. if i'm scared and anxious and i'm ashamed then i'm going to you know the opposite would be to stay in the situation so i know that going into this anxiety is not what i want so i'm going to do whatever the opposite of that is yes and I'm not saying that that is always bad or, or for me, at least talking about my own experience. Sometimes I would do that, but also I, at least for me early on, cause this was a thing I had to deal with. Like I had to think about now that I have kind of dealt with not dealt with it, but now that I'm working on this, 
I before if plans would come up, I almost always would just say no because that's just what I did. And but now I don't have that sort of default plan. I I need to kind of think about what do I actually want to do. And one of my first instincts is well, well, just you know, screw the anxiety. I'm going to do it. And then it's like, well, then I'm just letting the anxiety make my decisions in the reverse now. So for me, at least, it was a it was a process of finding when do I stay in that situation because I want to immerse myself in that. And there's things where it's like, I know if I go and do this, it's not going to actually be as bad as I think it's going to be. And by doing it, I can sort of show that to my brain and say, see, it's not so bad. And yeah. that helps me do that in the future. You give so yourself a success, you know, it, it's like, because your brain is going to, is remembering all the times where you did it and it, and it went horribly, or, or that's what you think you're remembering. Or that's what I think is going to happen. There's, there's situations that I haven't even done and my brain is just assuming it's going to be bad. Yeah. And it's like, well, then let's just do it and see what happens. And if it's bad, that I don't have to do it again. Right. But it usually isn't. <laughs> so there are definitely times where I would steer into it, but also there were times when it's like, well, I'm not going to just steer into it. I want to try when I can try to take that step back and, and assess, is this something I actually want to do and something that going and doing it now might help me to learn how to do it? Or is this something that I actually don't want to do? And despite the fact that it feels like I'm giving in to my anxiety, I'm just not going to do it because I don't want to do it. So, you know, like I, I, I think we've covered kind of a nice introduction to this skill. I realized I was like, wow, yeah. wait, it, I was like, Holy crap. Once again, we've been speaking for 45 minutes. Yeah, that's, I was, I, again, I was a little worried before we started. I know. But it's like, I know we had some things to talk about. I figured we'd start talking and we'd get there and we've been doing it for almost four years. Thompson. So I mean, like, <laughs> you know, you know, we, we'd like to have some sort of actionable advice or action. Mm-hmm. And like the idea is to just to try this, right? Th- start coming up with your list of what your coping skills are. Try to kind of have this toolbox, whatever you want to call it, inventory, have kind of this, this, this variety and start trying. If you're going to be going into a situation, ah, I just used my least favorite word of try. Yeah. Well, I was just thinking I'm still stuck on the, what do we call it? Because it was like toolbox, inventory, spell slots. It's like, we missed the obvious one. We're supposed to be a magic podcast. We could just call it a library. Wow. (laughs) That's a really good point, Alex. Thank you. Or a hand, maybe that would be a hand. You know, either way, have access to them. But either way, an analogy that fits the game we're supposed to be talking about. I know. I mean, that's why in our new description it says our podcast is nominally about magic. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, magic is still. I mean, it's the community, right? Like, yes, it's the the community is the big thing, and we still the game is still relevant. We'll talk about it kind of when it comes up for us. But I actually think this Joda story. I mean, like I said. Even if it's we're finding these, it's it's when you started talking about Joda and we got to this these these different points that we were kind of mm-hmm. discussing about the fact that he's now been without this mirror and yet he's teaching at the you know Teleria West. There's this idea that Joda is like almost like a name that's handed down, not that it's <laughs> the same person, which is kind of cool. Yeah, but like yeah. like that means that Joda is is using some sort of coping method. It, like the yes. mirror is no longer there and he's still able to I, do this. Yep. So it, it was kind of cool to kind of like, I like to have the story tie in, even if it's something that just nominally that I, I yeah. find oh, it yeah. helps me think of it flexibly. 
Yes, um, I mean, and and that yeah. was kind of the 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 remit of the podcast, and we started was to try to bring real life and to talk about real life. You know, use the the pot, use the story, use the characters and the lore of magic as a, as kind of a lens or a jumping off point or a, your analogy filled in here, but right. kind of as a right. way. We were never the lore. No, right? I mean, like we we were going to use lore as part of our toolkit to talk about the things, the the world that we wanted to talk about, and you know lore was a big part of it and and it, we've talked about this a little bit too part of the reason we're a little less is joe was the big lore person of the three of us we all had some interest but he had the most and there were some other things like the same reasons he left were reasons that you and i kind of stepped away from the lore for a while too that didn't help but it's really still nice to have that sort of those conversational topics to be able to relate this is like this and we can use these different um experiences fictional and otherwise to kind of talk about this topic well i mean that yeah i yeah i mean i know that we're we're kind of we're, we're ending on a completely tangential note which is very perfect actually but it's that idea of kind of um you know we've talked about the things like tropes things like even just story beats are used for a reason um and and it's because they do tend to resonate and right i mean that's the idea behind just storytelling is is like and, and like myths and everything else and so it makes sense that they make us think in a different way or connect in a different way exactly and like you said there's there's a reason these things keep coming back and and i don't want to do quite there's with joseph campbell every society doesn't necessarily tell the exact same stories but there are definitely some story beats that are similar across societies that haven't interacted uh, specifically if you want to go historical but this is a huge tangent but there's a reason that these stories keep being used and the stuff still resonates for us for us and that is why it's helpful to 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 take those people have been doing it for a long time like fa- a lot of fables and stories are supposed to teach people lessons and we're kind of doing the same thing just in our 21st century way on the internet well and better we're just better at it and better because we're <laughs> We bring the level of chaos that those stories are often lacking to really help your brains connect the, the I points. I mean, there's some, there's some real chaos in some of those stories, too. And that's our show for today. You can find the hosts on Twitter. HotsQ can be found at HotsQ, and Alex Newman can be found at Mel underscore Comicler. Send any questions, comments, thoughts, hopes, and dreams to at GoblinLorePod on Twitter, or email us at GoblinLorePodcast at gmail.com. If you want to support your friendly neighborhood gobsmoke, the cast can be found at patreon.com slash Opening and closing music by Vindergotten, who can be found on Twitter at Vindergotten or online at vindergotten.bandcamp.com. Logo art by Steven Raphael, who can be found on Twitter at Steve Raphael. Goblin Lore is proud to be presented by Tipsters of the Coast as part of their growing Vorthos content, as well as magic content of all kinds. Check them out on Twitter at HipstersMTG or online at HipstersOfTheCoast.com. Thank you all for listening. And remember, goblins, like snowflakes, are only dangerous in numbers. <laughs>